Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. The holiday of Pesach, Passover, Exodus from Egypt, is upon us. Many of you might be thinking about it. Some of you might be actually preparing for it already. And part of the preparation, in addition to all the nitty-gritty, this is one of those holidays that definitely takes some pre-planning and a certain amount of strategy and work. But we don't want to get lost in the crumbs, so to speak. There's lots of crumbs we're working on getting rid of. But we also want to, and at least I want to, be in a place where as I'm preparing for the holiday, I'm not just practically preparing, but also spiritually preparing, preparing my mind, preparing my understanding of what is this holiday all about? Why is this holiday so significant? Why does this holiday take so much preparation? I think there is an aspect is that the more we prepare for something, the more we're invested in it. And this is definitely one of those holidays that I'd say takes maybe the most preparation. And therefore, there is has to be some significance of why this holiday specifically, out of all the holidays, requires so much preparation. And Again, the investment of myself in this holiday, and I definitely don't want to lose the message of the holiday, that's for sure. So the Seder night, obviously, is the peak moment when we're supposed to be talking over and going over the Exodus story. But my understanding is there's, in addition to the importance of remembering this story, and yes, it's significant on a national level, but each of us needs to see ourselves as if we ourselves have been released from Egypt. But what does that mean? I never was in Egypt myself. So obviously to me, there has to be some greater, deeper significance in terms of there's something, an experience I'm supposed to personally be going through during this holiday time. Now, if I'm not fully aware of what it is that I'm supposed to be going through during this time, it will be a little bit challenging for me to experience what I should be, could be, would like to be experiencing. And so that's why I'd like to take this opportunity with Rabbi David Aaron to really go deep, to get a deeper understanding of what is the general significance of the holiday, and then maybe even some particulars. There's so many laws and rules connected to this holiday. You know, in addition to, yes, why are they significant in following, but where am I coming through with all these specific laws, rules, keeping them? What's happening with this holiday? How am I transcending within the concepts and the context of this holiday? as I'm sure we'd all like to do. So when we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel, please join me so we can get a much deeper and more elevated understanding of what this holiday of Pesach, Passover, the Exodus story, what it's all about, what it has to do with me today. So I can really come through, go from slavery to freedom, freedom and opening of my mind of understanding the deeper significance of this holiday with all of you too. When we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leo Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. We are in the throes of preparing for the really big holiday of Pesach. This is definitely a huge national holiday. 
that is celebrated already from the time of our exodus. We're remembering this important time. And as I'm preparing this, you know, this is one of those holidays that definitely takes preparation way before the holiday actually comes. <laughs> so there's preparation before and then there's a the holiday itself, which I feel like any holiday, the more I put into it, the more I get out of it. I know there's opportunity, but the more I put into it, the more I get out of it. So that's what I would really love to take this opportunity right now with you, Rabbi, to really talk about what you would, what would you say are some of the central themes of the holiday of Pesach? And I was thinking there's the national side of it. And then there's also the personal, how it should be affecting my life today. That's what I would really love to discuss so that as I'm preparing for Pesach and as I come towards Pesach, I can be more immersed in being prepared for, for experiencing the holiday to its fullest. Yeah, that's that's the the essence of it all. The the Zohar, which is the central body of the Kabbalistic teachings, uh, explain that the going out of Egypt is the root and the foundation of all of uh, Judaism, and uh, that's why right before we receive the Ten Commandments, uh, the Creator introduced himself as I am God, your God who took you out of Egypt. And you would have thought that before you receive uh, the commandments, if you wanted to an introduction, uh, well, you know, then I am God, your God who created the world, that would seem much more appropriate for establishing the authority of who I am and why you should obey. Why would we, why would it be I am God, your God who took you out of Egypt? And that's because the story of getting out of Egypt is the story that demonstrates God's unconditional love for us. And just before we receive this very daunting body of law with all the various ramifications and consequences, uh, we are assured that don't worry, I'm on your side, I'm with you. Uh, because our sages tell us that the Jewish people, when they were in Egypt, fallen so low spiritually, they had reached the, the place of almost no return. And, uh, and so our sages tell us that from the standpoint of justice, uh, they really didn't deserve to get out. And yet God nonetheless took us out in the name of love. And so the idea of Passover is that God passes over his standards of justice in the name of love to take us out. And therefore the holiday, which is the root and foundation of, of Jewish uh, tradition is a celebration of God's unconditional love and commitment to the Jewish people. Mm, wow. Well, then when I say this is a big holiday, I definitely understand even more as you're explaining why it's so big and so significant. When you're talking about the root and foundation of Judaism, it must be significant then that there's so many Jews, you know, whether you're even Jews that aren't all that connected to the Jewish tradition, that there is something about Pesach, Passover, the Seder night that we connect again. And it's always, again, connecting as families, which is the microcosm of the nation is made up of families, too. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting that the holiday is called Passover because Passover is really a, 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 a scene in the whole Exodus story. Uh, there's so much more that happened in Exodus, but Passover really is the last plague. There were 10 plagues. The last plague was the death of the firstborn. The Jewish people were instructed to put blood on the doorpost of, a, of the Paschal lamb. 
That blood was on the inside of the doorpost, according to uh, some uh, opinions. And uh, it says that God would see the blood and, and skip over their homes. Uh, okay, so that's a, that's a very significant event in the big story of Exodus. But why does that color the entire theme of Exodus? And uh, so there's an oral tradition that says that this blood on the door is uh, analogous to a, a slaughterer who before he would slaughter his sheep, <clears throat> he would put a red mark on those that were marked to be slaughtered that day. Well, that midrash doesn't make any sense because that oral tradition makes no sense because uh, it would have made more sense that, than that, that the blood would be painted on the doorpost of the Egyptians. Why, why is it being painted on our door? And the understanding is that the Jewish people needed to make a sign that indicated that they knew that they were equally marked for death. And, uh, and even though they were not deserving to get out, they're going to get out. And they needed to know that and believe that. And so um, <clears throat> this, uh, this relationship of unconditional love is there. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a problem with unconditional love, and that is that the person that you unconditionally love needs to acknowledge that and be receptive to it. Otherwise, it's as if non, non-existent. And that was the role we played. The, you know, we had, to, we had to really believe that, that God's unconditional love would literally pass over the standards of justice. Hmm. Now I'm thinking on this parts of the story that I know, and I'm, you know, the, as you're pointing out, you have to be able to accept that love. And I could imagine that the nation didn't necessarily um, feel God's love because for so long they were slaves and they were in a culture and a country that wasn't their own, that was foreign to Jewish values and concepts and a real connection to God. There was idol worship all over the place. So I'd imagine over all that time, the people to degree might've felt estranged from God, so to speak. And so then when you know, the plagues come and in a big way, as much as it was there for the Egyptians, it was there for the Jewish nation to remember, no, I am your God. I'm here for you. And so this final scene, as you're talking about, well, we had to demonstrate that we also want this relationship with God. I now think of, you know, in that whole context, how significant that is. Yeah, well, so some explain the word Pesach also means to leap. And that there was, there was a, 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 you might say, a quantum leap in their, in their consciousness that, you know, uh, you know we believe there that we have what's called a Brit. A Brit is a relationship of un- unconditional love that goes both ways. A Brit is not a, a contract. A Brit is a covenant. And a covenant can never be void, you know, uh, you know, like a, a contract, if one of the uh, parties in some way violates some, uh, s- some stipulation in the contract, well, then the contract could be null and void, but not a, a covenant. And uh, it was the patriarchs and the matriarchs that had entered into a relationship of unconditional love with God. And uh, in deep, deep, deep inside the, the Jewish soul, 
drawing from, you might say, the collective unconsciousness bank of the of our patriarchs and, the, and our history, it, it's it's there. You know, it's important to understand that unconditional love goes both ways. Uh, you know, we also went through hor- horrific times, and um, and we also have to kind of perform a Passover, whereby we pass over our judgment of God, and uh, and we also demonstrate unconditional love and commitment to God. So yeah, there was something really miraculous, and the fact that the Jewish people would take this Paschal lamb and slaughter it and 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 barbecue it in public demonstrated this quantum leap of faith because they were essentially sacrificing uh, one of the gods of the Egyptians. The Egyptians saw the lamb as holy, just kind of like cultures that had holy cows they had holy lambs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, that's um, that itself was also a Pesach, that there was some kind of dramatic leap, you know, sometimes deep inside ourselves, there's an awareness that gets covered up and covered up, but it's there. And we believe that deep inside our souls is uh, a long history of connection to God that emerges at times that we might be surprised to see it emerge in such a dramatic way. But the faith goes in both directions, because as you're pointing out, we weren't necessarily, so to speak, deserving. We had to some degree abandoned God, and yet God had faith in us to bring us back into this covenant. Um, and then we had to have demonstrate our faith in God, even though maybe we felt a little bit like, where has God been this whole time? And yet so the, the sense of the idea that there's faith being demonstrated in both directions, and then it really clarifies for me why this really had to be the precursor of the giving of the Torah. Because this relationship is first like we're recommitting to the covenant, as you're pointing out, it was always there. It's just a recommitment to it. And then that really opened up the opportunity for the covenant to be sealed even stronger with the giving of the Torah. Exactly. Exactly. The, uh, the, the, the Jewish people, after all these years, we've gone through such difficult times. And uh, if, if a Jewish person still uh, it, after everything we've gone to, maintains a sense of faith in God, uh, that's an extraordinary show of love. Hmm. And I'm also thinking what's significant, because there is this concept you've shared with me before, and all of us, that every holiday, it's not just something that happened historically a long time ago, it's something that, that continues to happen today. And as I'm thinking about it, the idea of that what happened so long ago is we had this this relationship of love was reconfirmed. The covenant started with our forefathers, but here all these years later as a nation, we had to be able to recommit. And in a sense, every single generation has to be able to recommit. It's not just something that happened a long time ago. So the significance of when we're celebrating and we're living and we're re-experiencing and going through the ritual, but it's not just ritual, it's ritual that's connecting us to all the themes of this holiday. In a sense, what it's really about is committing ourselves once again to this relationship with God, which is very, very significant. When we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. This is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show. Pull up a chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together, we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. And welcome back to Soul Talk. Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, really getting a much deeper understanding to the significance of the holiday of Pesach. Not just as a holiday to go, there is a lot of ritual. There are there, there's a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of history, but there's so much more significance to the holiday that we're celebrating. If we understand it, we can really enrich ourselves with it. You know, you know, Passover is really the foundation. It comes up in all our holidays. The Going out of Egypt is mentioned in all the holidays. It's mentioned on Shabbat. Uh, we, are, we, we are to remember it every single day of our lives because it is, again, the, the, the foundation of it all, of this uh, relationship of unconditional love. Uh, that is uh, the primary understanding. You know, the name of God in the Torah, the yud Hey vav Hey is associated with the attribute of rachamim. And rachamim is the same word for the Hebrew word rechem, which means womb. And what is what has that got to do with anything? And really, rachamim is unconditional love in that we describe the relationship between the creator and ourselves as the same relationship as a mother to her unborn child in her womb. And that mother has unconditional love for a child because that child exists within her. That child is a part of her. That mother loves her child with the same love she loves herself. Because hmm. ultimately, that child is an extension, a part of yet will be a separate entity, but still is always a part of and connected to and from that mother. And it's right. interesting well, from that- the mother's point of view, the baby is never a separate entity, even when the baby is out. And, 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 you know, and even though our bodies obviously are separate, but on a soul level, uh, a mother always feels that her child is a part of her. Hmm. There are so many analogies as understanding this relationship we have, the nation of, of Israel, the people have with God. There's a, this example of the mother with the, um, the unborn child inside of her. There's God as lover. There's God as father. There's God as master, as king. Um, but would you say the primary focus in terms of our you know, this holiday is focusing more on this the love relationship between the nation of Israel and God? Come again. Want to say it again? I'm sorry. There's so many different relationships are described between man and God. There's God as right. father, God as king. Yes. But this holiday is focusing, as you're saying, more on the love aspect of the relationship we have with God. Right. Well, you know, all the holidays really are celebrating a facet of a loving relationship. Mm. You know, uh, you know, the holiday of Rosh Hashanah is accountability. When there's a real relationship, there's accountability. Yom Kippur celebrates forgiveness in a true loving relationship. There's forgiveness. And so every holiday in some way focuses on a facet of love, but, but Pesach really is the foundation of the context and in many ways, uh, Passover is the root of all Jewish celebration. Hmm. So in a sense, then, there's this concept, there's the new year that we're all familiar with, Rosh Hashanah, 
but that's the new year that counts um, the new year of man from the creation of man, Adam and Eve. But there's also right, a concept right. that this is also a new year of sorts for the nation, for the Jewish nation. And in a sense, I'm understanding that more now when you're talking about this is the foundation of, of it all. And the found, it's like a new year of this relationship and this commitment to this relationship. Well, yeah, it happens in the season of spring and spring is when things start to grow. And uh, this, this is this is this is what this is about. Now, as I'm thinking, this is the exodus from Egypt. You pointed out that the covenant was given to our forefathers, which was a few hundred years before we're now recommitting to the covenant once again. Um, But at the same time, you're also pointing out that in order to have a relationship, even though it's always there, we have to actually make our commitment towards it to it. And I'm thinking human relationships are the same way. You want to start from a place of love. But there always are rules that are going to surround the relationship for it to thrive. And ultimately, what I'm understanding now is the um, Exodus story is all about establishing the foundation of the relationship between man and God is love. Yes, then we give are given the Torah, which are rules for how do we act? How do we behave? What's okay? What's not okay? But every relationship has to have that. But the point is that you don't want to just have the rules of the relationship that, let's say, technically, if you think of a married couple, they're not doing anything wrong. But where's the foundation of love? If that foundation is missing, it's very dry. That's not the goal ultimately of that relationship. On the other hand, you can have a lot of love, but if there aren't any rules that are kept in terms of um, keeping the relationship in a healthy, safe place, then just because you say you love somebody doesn't mean that love is going to continue to thrive. So having that combination of the foundation of this is, you know, what's the point of this all? The foundation is love. And then there's the, you know, the Torah, which are the instructions of how is this relationship going to continue? That combination is really powerful. Right. Well, a number of years ago, I met a fellow who was Christian, and I just want to make clear that I'm not saying this is what Christianity teaches. I'm just saying that this is what this guy claimed. Uh, So he said, you know, the difference between you and me is I believe in a God of love and you believe in a God of law. And I said, well, actually, I don't see it that way at all. I believe in a God of love and I believe a God of true love gives law. You know, a parent that loves their children or is going to set rules that the child needs to abide by. There are consequences to those rules, because if a child feels that their behavior is inconsequential, that absolutely devastates their sense of self-worth. And that, you know, true love has uh, has discipline, as King Solomon says, that a parent who does not discipline their child hates their child. And yet all those rules that the parent sets up is in the name of love for the sake of love. And uh, and so that's why if if the rules that I set up to empower my child and to to enable my child uh, is now going to bring about the very end of my child, well, then I, I will have to pass over the rules temporarily with the intention of reestablishing them. But uh, the goal of the rules was to enable my child to really grow and, 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 and take responsibility and, and be their own person. And so that's why there is a beautiful relationship, an important relationship with love and law. Mm. You know, a parent that really loves their child gives them standards to live by and, and rules to abide by with consequences that they need to bear all in, this, in, the, in the interest of helping them 
be able to make the best of their life and take responsibility in their lives. But all that comes from love and is in the name of love for the sake of love. And the reality is what's so important is recognizing it's coming from love can make all the difference. Because even if I don't like, I've had this with my children because they sense I love them and they know I have to discipline them sometimes, but they can take it very well. In fact, it's amazing to me that often after times there's discipline, they just need a hug or they need a kiss just to reaffirm, yes, mommy still loves you, but it's a totally different experience when it's coming from love as opposed to when it's just uh, my way or the highway or it's just, you know, corporal punishment. The way it's received is different. So this is so important to realize that this holiday is all about us as a nation, reminding ourselves that God does love us. And so whatever comes after that, it's all coming from a place of love. Well, yeah, it, it is. It is really the foundation. Uh, you know, if I don't believe that God, the creator, loves me and cares about me, then I, I really have have no one to turn to, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's why the first blessing of the 18 benedictions, which is the daily prayer of the Jewish people that we say three times a day, starts off with an acknowledgement that God cares about us and is invested in us and loves us. And uh, if I don't believe that God cares and loves me, uh, then uh, I, I really... The, the, the very foundation of my life is, is, is literally taken away. Hmm. Wow. Well, when you say God of love and law, I definitely sense that in the holiday of Pesach, because there really are so many laws that go into keeping a proper Pesach, which is why there's so much preparation for it. But it's such an important reminder, even as we're preparing for the holiday to make sure we're keeping the law part of the holiday properly it makes all the difference when I'm in a mindset of understanding that there's this, the foundation is love. And because of the love is why I also want to make sure I'm doing the law part properly. Right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really important point because there's very stringent laws that revolve around the Passover holiday in terms of leavened bread and, you know, and got to clean it out and you can't have a crumb. And a person could really think like, oh, my gosh, this is just so meticulous and, and just ridiculous. Uh, but when you realize, no, love is in the details. And, um, you know, as, as much as your mother and father love you, that doesn't diminish their expectations of you living up to proper, uh, you know, proper behavior. And, and, and your, the, your standards of living should be, should be taken care of. So on the law side of things, I have a particular question. One of the biggest themes in the side of law, as you're pointing out, is making sure there's no chametz, the leavened bread, which just takes up a tremendous amount of time in preparation for the holiday. Um, but what's the significant, why is it so significant, especially since it's one of those things that throughout the rest of the year, there's no problem eating bread. It's not like it's something that's always wrong. It's just this one week, it becomes a problem. Right. Uh, well, well, before we go into some deep philosophical idea, it's important to state that Judaism presents itself as a science. And just like there are certain uh, rules that are, must be, uh, you know, abided by in terms of my, the health of my body, uh, Judaism says that there's no less specific rules and, and, and details that goes into taking care of my soul. So, whether we come up with a, a nice philosophical idea behind it, 
the bottom line is that during these seven days, eating leaven is really, really devastating to our souls. And it's mm. just a science. But, but now uh, once we put that in place, you know, like there's, there's lots of things we just don't understand. Uh, when we come back, let's go inside the, uh, the, some of the philosophical implications of this idea of matzah and chametz. When we return to Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah, every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk with Ira Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, getting deeper insights into understanding the significance of the holiday of Pesach. Started out with the foundation, the mindset we need to understand of what this holiday is all about, which is this love, loving relationship between us and God. Uh, but then, as you said before the break, this is a God of love and law. There are a tremendous amount of laws connected to this holiday. Specifically, I asked you about the leavened bread. Why is that a problem this one week of the year when the rest of the year it's not? And as you really pointed out, there's the science to Judaism. There's the health of our soul where this week, this is a significant problem where we want to stay away from it. But then keeping that understanding, which I can get again, there's a lot of things just like physically, we don't see how it affects us. There's a spiritual aspect. And if God says this will affect you spiritually, I can totally accept that. But is there, you were saying going to share though, some other deeper insights into understanding what this might all be about. Right, so so the Torah describes how the uh, Jewish people had to leave Egypt uh, in a uh, an extraordinarily quick manner. It says that they left Egypt uh, so quickly that their dough uh, did not rise. Now it takes eighteen minutes for dough to rise, meaning the entire people in a, in a miraculous way left Egypt in less than 18 minutes. Uh, what, what, what that basically means is matzah represents something supernatural. You know, the natural process of dough is that it ferments and, and it turns into leaven. Uh, something really extraordinary happened and the eating of matzah correlates to, parallels to this supernatural uh, event where we are literally going beyond the limitations of nature. And, uh, and that's very much what, what this is about. It's really about believing in the possibility of miracles. Not that we rely on miracles. We're not supposed to rely on miracles, but we are supposed to realize that the, uh, the world, uh, you know, the laws of nature are not written in stone. The God who created those laws, the king, so to speak, who makes the rules can break the rules. And uh, so that's one of the understandings of the, the matzah that it, uh, it's referred to as the bread of faith. And uh, there's something about it when you eat this bread that it nurtures the, the you know, the, 
the strength of faith within us. And that faith is the faith that, that you know, anything's possible because, because God created the world and he can do with it as he pleases. No, I'm thinking, as far as I understand, the Egyptians worshiped nature and saw nature itself as its own power. So it, it makes even more significant the matzah representing the idea that, no, there is such a thing as miracles because God created the system of nature. He usually sticks to it, but since he's in charge, he can change it. And this is the truth is, it's a really important reminder for all of our lives because there is a natural order to things. And sometimes we just feel hopeless. Like, how can anything be different change? And we have to remind ourselves too, that we need to imbibe as you're talking about, you are what you eat. So it sounds like this is this week where we can really ingesting the matzah. As you said, it's the bread of faith. We're ingesting the reality of the concept that God is the one who's running the show, who's created the system. And therefore when need be can override the system. Right. You know, uh, the, the ancient uh, idolaters, they, many of their idols were animals, just like in Egypt, the, the, the lamb had some kind of, was deified. The river Nile was deified. Uh, in, in, in those cultures, the forces of nature were gods, which means that uh, nothing transcends nature. And uh, I once brought this up before that Hitler said, uh, we are in Mein Kampf, we are barbarians and we are proud of it. It's only the Jews have claimed that man can surpass himself. That's actually the, the ramifications of an idolatrous way of thinking, that nature rules supreme. There is no power greater than nature. And man could never transcend nature. Nothing could transcend nature. Uh, this holiday is all about the fact that God can transcend nature, and so can we, uh, you know, because it would have been natural to just give up on God after all those years of being slaves, and yet somehow we were able to leap past the events of our lives, the narrative of our lives thus far, and, uh, and, 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 and say a new narrative, which is really why at the Seder, the Seder, which is the evening where we tell over the story of Egypt, uh, why is telling over a story capturing the essence of freedom? Because really, your freedom is in the story that you tell yourself. It's really the freedom that we have in life. It's very much like uh, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Freedom. He talks about that the ultimate freedom of man is the attitude he chooses, and the attitude you choose, you know, this is an idea, you know, in uh, narrative therapy, uh, where, where you decide what story you're going to tell yourself. If you tell yourself a story that we are all bound to nature uh, and there is no hope beyond nature, well, then that story will come true because you've basically locked yourself into a narrative. But in narrative therapy, we have to look at our lives and tell ourselves a new story, a different story, because the story you tell yourself is the ultimate exercise of freedom. And that really is another huge theme of Pesach Passover is freedom from slavery to freedom. But as they're pointing out so often, you know, Pharaoh's this outside person that's enslaving us. But how often are we enslaving ourselves by the limited thinking that we have? And limiting our even our understanding, our limited understanding of God can oftentimes be a form of slavery for misunderstanding um, God, our relationship with God. And 
and the context of what it is that he's asking of us. Right. In the end, there is no more important choice in your life that will have the greatest impact on your life than what you choose to believe. Now, you you know, like, of course, you, your beliefs should be founded on reasonability. But but bottom line, you know, you, you want to choose responsible beliefs that work and enable you to win the game of life. And, uh, you know, there, there was one, I uh, uh, can't remember who said this quote, but if you believe you can't, you'll probably be right. Mm. Because your beliefs are really what is um, uh, determining what you think is possible. You know, I'm thinking another big theme of this holiday is we got it to Labincha telling over the story to the next generation. And I really understand the significance of this because as adults, part of what we need to do is we have to clarify our own beliefs. And there's every year, every time in life, there's what to work out in terms of really working on our faith, clarifying what do I believe in, but the importance of passing on these beliefs, the stories that so much more than a story, it's really so significant in terms of the relationship that we have with God and passing that on to the next generation is how we're here today, still having the Seder and still uh, connecting. To the well, depth you know, of everything that it represents. In the end, what are we going to tell our kids? We're going to tell our kids, listen, we are all evolved monkeys in a in a universe that was a freak accident that came from nowhere and going nowhere. Uh, or we're going to tell our children that we are the creations of a creator that created from a place of love for the sake of love, and that there is a relationship of commitment, and we came. Uh, from love and we're going in a direction of greater love and life is a story and there's a theme to life and it has a good ending. I I think that's a much better things to tell your kids. And I think uh, there's reason to believe that to be true. Hmm. And that's part of what we have to also, the fact that we have to reaffirm it on a regular basis, as you're pointing out, this is the big holiday. I'm understanding more deeply why, but you said earlier that it, this isn't the whole exodus from Egypt, even though we really focus on it this week. Um, it's something that's mentioned every single day, every single week on the Sabbath, meaning it, the theme has to constantly be reaffirmed because it's so significant, which makes me also realize that it's also so easy to lose focus, which is, I assume, why we have to constantly remind ourselves about the important themes that the Pesach, the exodus represents. Right. You know, what's unique about human beings is we see things in terms of stories. Uh, I don't think animals, uh, uh, you know, but uh, except animals in Disney, you know, uh, Disney movies. <laughs> but uh, other than animals in Disney movies, uh, I don't think animals have a sense of I'm part of a story. Uh, our minds naturally select events in our lives and weave them together. And, and, and we seek to tell a story of what what is happening to our lives, what did happen and what could happen. We are storytelling creatures. And, um, and, and so the, the, the Seder night is celebrating what is the ultimate expression of humanness and our greatest freedom is the stories we choose to tell ourselves. And, you know, we could tell a lot of stories, you know, at the Seder, there's also the Maror, which is the bitter herbs. And if we wanted to, we could just harbor on that and talk about how hard the times were. Uh, we, we're not in denial that there were hard times. 
but we choose to see the hard times as part of a story of redemption and better times. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the matzah is very interesting because on one hand, the matzah had a role while we were slaved. We do start off the Haggadah saying, uh, this, the Passover story is saying, this is the bread of poverty that we were basically fed in Egypt. The, you know, it was, it was a bread that represented that we were subhuman, that we didn't deserve leavened bread. And so they gave us this, you know, brittle cracker with no taste. And that was a sign of slavery. And yet that very cracker turns into a symbol of freedom. And, the, and I think it goes back to the idea, what story do you choose to tell yourself? Mm-hmm. I could look at the matzah and tell myself a story of, of grief and a story of, of bitter slavery and, and, and just remember anger. Or I could look at it and decide to tell, use it for the, a prop in telling a story of freedom and empowerment. And that is the ultimate freedom of the holiday of Pesach. I want to wish you all true freedom, a meaningful, uplifting, and elevated Passover. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at israelnewstalkradio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.